Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics that are relevant to women today. We'd love to continue the conversation with you and support you on your life's journey. Just join us in our community. Search Facebook for The Inspired Women Community and request to join. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. Hi guys, welcome to today's podcast. I am here with Stacy. Stacy and I actually met in a group on Facebook, the Impact Driven Entrepreneurs Group. That's what it's called now. It used to be a group just for mompreneurs, but the founder, she decided to change things up and rebrand a little bit. And we met in there and we became friends on Facebook and we chatted a little bit. And Stacy had made a post about Hey, does anybody is anybody looking for like guest bloggers or guests for their podcast? They'd love to make a list to help people out. And I said, Yeah, me. I said, just I just recommend people listen to two to three episodes to get a feel for the podcast. But we do have the ability to apply to be part of the podcast. And so Stacy tuned into a couple episodes and she's like, I'm applying now. And she applied and I saw that she had some a really profound story to share with all of you. And so I'm really excited to have her on the podcast. So Stacy wears many hats like most modern women, a few of which are wife, mama to one, speaker, author, soon to be published. I'm super excited about that because both um, Stacy and I will be published authors this year, so it's gonna be really fun. And life coach. Stacy helps women create a plan and execute with less overwhelm than they ever thought possible, as well as go deeper in their personal relationship with Christ so they begin to see themselves through his loving eyes. And I told Stacy, she's part of the Inspired Women podcast, and I had posted something about what I do, and she's like, We do something really similar. And I was like, The only difference is like, she is faith-based and I am not, but otherwise, like, our stories are similar, uh, what we do is very similar, so I'm really excited to have Stacy on the podcast today to share with you guys all her story and everything like that, so welcome, Stacy. So share with my audience a little bit about what it was like for you to become a single mom. Now, for me, I, I was single when I had my daughter, but were you married and then became a single mom, or... Was it like you were single? No, our experience is similar. Yeah, I was, um, we were in a relationship for about five years and had been engaged, but we never were married. Okay. So what was that like for you? Like, what was that experience like? Like you were in this relationship for five years and then, oh, boom, now I have to actually provide for this child on my own. I mean, because let's be honest, even if you have, you know, another person in your life who's like, oh yeah, we're not together, but I'll help you out it's still a lot. That's a lot of pressure. (laughs) It is. It's a lot of pressure. So we were together for those five years and we lived together too. So, you know, we were sharing the household, sharing the bills. It was kind of like a roommate situation. Like here's your half and here's my half. Right. But that still helps to know that you don't have to fit the whole bill. So it takes a lot of that stress off. And I literally decided I was going to become a single mom in like a week. (laughs) And packed up our like clothes, couple baby items and moved seven and a half hours away. So it was pretty abrupt, but I just felt like it was, it was the right thing to do, but not like, I don't want to say that there wasn't some hesitancy in like those questions that come up for you. If you're going to become a single mom, like, is this the right thing for my kid? Is my kid going to hate me later? You know, are they ever going to understand like why I did this? Like all those questions were still there. And I, I don't really know if you ever really get those questions answered because it's really up to your kid, like when they're grown, I guess, to 
to let you know how that affects them. Like we don't really, really know, right? We know our intentions, but we don't really know how, how they're going to perceive and take things. So those questions were still there, but we had our five years together was, was not really healthy. We didn't know how to effectively communicate with each other. So there was a lot of yelling and I quit putting like things on our coffee table, like pictures or, or anything because they never like, stayed there like those were the kind of fights that we had so it's like uh you know I don't know it was it was unhealthy I was like I don't really want her to see like this as like a model of what she should have in her life or what's acceptable because there's also a lot of infidelity on his part and so that was just getting too much to deal with and I was like I don't want her to think that you know you have this special person in your life but then they feel like it's okay to have other people you know like that's not what I want for her and it doesn't matter what I tell her she is worthy of or she should have she's going to model what I'm doing and probably find a man that's modeling what her father's doing. That's not what I wanted for her. So I was like, you know, it really opened my eyes. And I realized I'm really willing to put myself through like anything and just deal with it. Um, I'm not going to do that to her. I'm not going to have her just deal with it. Yeah. So I decided, okay. That's what made me actually um, really made me leave my abusive relationship I was in is it wasn't, I could have taken like the abuse and the infidelity and everything for like ever on myself. But when it, when I realized that it was going to, it was affecting my kids and that, you know, that might have actually like, he might have actually started to, you know, relay that onto the kids. I was just like, you know, as a mom, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And then you just have to make that decision. So how old was your daughter when you decided that, this is, I'm not going to put her through this anymore. Like I'm, she needs a better role model or at least me as her role model. What, how old was she? Oh, I, I didn't wait long, four and a half months old. I was like, I'm out. (laughs) And it was like, it's often like the most random thing unrelated that kind of just like, is that final straw? And you're like, peace out. I'm done. And it was something so not related to, to any of the other stuff that I was taking. But it was just like that one last thing. I was like, I just can't. Like, I'm tired of fighting over stupid stuff. I'm tired of fighting over things that I shouldn't be fighting about if we're actually in a relationship together. Like, these problems should not be problems. You know, like, I'm just over it. And I was just miserable. And at first, I didn't think that, like, at first, I was like, well, let's just take a break. Like, I, I can't even think. Like, I literally cannot think. Um... So I asked him if he would go stay with his mom for a few days while I stayed at the house with the baby and just tried to like make some sense of things. And he did, but it's like, I didn't get any peace. Like he was calling or he was texting or he was coming over and it's like, I'm supposed to be trying to think. And I I can't like, I just remember just crying. I was just, I just cried a lot in that five years, (laughs) a lot. Um, And I was just over it. I seen that we had broken up before like different times throughout the five years and would always get back together. And I was like, well, what's, what's going to work here? Like what's really going to separate us? Because I really didn't want to do that back and forth thing, especially having a child like, Oh, one day we live with dad and maybe two weeks we don't, you know, like one year we live and then he's gone for a few days. Like I didn't really want to do that. Um, 
So my option was my, none of my family lived where I lived. So I was, I had friends, but no family. And my mom had recently moved um, to Texas. So that was like, I can always go to my mom's, you know, um, maybe not my most favorite thing to go do, but it's the option, right. That I have. So I was like, my mom wanted us to be closer anyways, because um, my daughter's like her first, actually her only grandchild. So she didn't really like the idea of being seven and a half hours away from her. So the opportunity, you know, she's like, you know, you can always come here. And so within a week, I was still enrolled in college and everything. So mm -hmm. I waited to get my like financial aid or my loans that I had taken out because I had lost my position at work while I was on FMLA. So I was in this like this financial unknown as well, like with certain amount of money that was going to run out soon and like trying to make things work even while we were together. I was like, well, where else am I going to go where I can like get my feet on the ground and figure out how I'm going to financially make this work and like, you know, be in a good positive environment. So we made the seven and a half hour trip to Galveston, Texas. Um, and my mom had like a one bedroom apartment. So me and my daughter slept on her couch for no lie four months. Um, and we like always trying to make sure the baby's quiet while my mom's like sleeping because she gets up at like 3.45 in the morning to go to work and like trying to be mindful. Yeah. And it's like, oh God, it's kind of stressful, but a different kind of stress. And um, yeah, for four months we did that. And then we moved into like a two bedroom apartment where my daughter and I shared a room and I probably did that. So all in all, we probably lived with my mom for, I don't know, like a good year, maybe a little bit more than a year. And then during that time, I, um, I got back enrolled in school, like here, and got more serious. I'm like, okay, no more part-time, no more playing around. Like, I got to get this degree. Like, how am I going to support her? So I did that, and I got a job. Um, I met a friend at college, and she told me about a place she worked, and went for an interview, started working as a server. And I didn't have it all together, though, right? Like, I love this relationship because it wasn't a good example but in all honesty that doesn't mean that I went and found a great relationship mm -hmm. <laughs> didn't work out like that um there were a lot of um, potential here that maybe this person maybe this person none of it worked like I still had that unhealthy habit um and it was because like the way that I felt about myself it, I just didn't feel good about myself. I didn't feel like I had anything to offer. Like, yeah, I was a nice person, blah, 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 but nothing really great about me. I just had really low self-esteem. I didn't have any confidence. And so I just kept attracting people who were so noncommittal. And I was like, oh, God, what is going on here? Like, is there any decent man left here, you know? Um, and about the time I decided – I'm so over this. Like I quit. <laughs> Stacy will just be single forever. Cause this just is not going to work. Um, I met my, the man who's now my husband and people, my best friend was so concerned because we got married six months after we met. And I remember before I got married, she's like, I love you. So don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> but like, it's, it's only been six months. Like, are you sure you want to marry this person? And I'm like, no, I appreciate your concern. Like it shows you are a good friend. You're not just letting me do whatever. Right. But I've been engaged before. Um, I've been in other relationships and I know the way that I feel right now is not 
ever how I've ever felt. And my husband didn't talk a lot. So he was like, he's like really quiet until you like really get to know him. So he did a lot like actions. His actions showed that he showed up. His actions showed that he cared and he took on, you know, me and my daughter, no questions asked. And he's younger than I am too. Didn't have any kids. Comes from totally different kind of culture. Like his parents have been married for forever. Um, just not like we didn't grow up the same. And so he just always showed me um, instead of telling me. Uh, he wasn't telling me all those things I wanted to hear. He was just showing me. And I was like, why? I mean, why not? Yeah. So I did it. Your story sounds really familiar with mine because when I was in college, like, I was like, I just want a relationship with a good guy, but I was totally not putting out those vibes at all. Like, now that oh, I look back either. and I was just like, oh no, my actions, my words, my thoughts. I'm like, oh no, girl, no wonder you were attracting every hot mess in the area to you. Right? <laughs> like, imagine. But I was always wondering, like, what's going on? But even like sometimes the places that I would be in, you know, like, Okay, me and my, uh, well, to be 100% honest, so my husband and I did meet in a bar, but, like, through a friend. Like, she brought him there. We were all hanging out. I'm like, oh, this is my friend. We came from a birthday. But, like, hanging out in clubs and stuff, not probably going to find, like, the man of your dreams there. Like, that's, guys are not looking for the woman of their dreams when they go to the bar, right? And then um, you mix in alcohol. You mix in too much alcohol, which is, like, a problem. Um, it just leads to, like, one bad decision after the other. And when you already feel like bad about yourself it's just lots of bad things bad decisions over and over oh yeah definitely definitely and and I understand the whole getting married quickly because my my husband and I got married two months after me we met and like everybody awesome. was like what the hell are you doing? This is not going to last. And mind you, we've been married almost seven years now. So like, this is not going to last. It's not going to do it. And I'm just like, but after all of the hot mess, crazy relationships I had, I just, I'm like, he's the nicest guy I've ever met. And he's so good. And he didn't even like, I mean, he may have paused for a second when he found out I had two kids, but it didn't like make him run the opposite way like everybody else. You know, he was just yes. like, you know, he tells me he always wanted to be a, a dad. And he's like, he was just like, may not have been my type because my type was not a good type, but he was the right person, you know, and I just knew it. And I'm just like, okay, you know, before he realizes what a crazy mess I am, <laughs> I need to marry this man. So let's right. Let's lock this deal in, right? You can find out later. Kind of the same, right? My husband would, would not have been considered my type based on um, any of the previous guys I'd ever dated or engaged with or anything like that. And I think that's when I began to realize, like, Stacey, clearly your type is, like, not a good type. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it doesn't work. It's not really your type. It's not working for you. It's not bringing out the best in you. So why not be open to something else? And it was like, like you said, nicest guy I've ever met. Um, super hardworking, has no, like, doesn't complain about work. Like, we'll do whatever to make sure, like, the family's taken care of. Um, doesn't, yeah, like, found out. Actually, he knew right away. I think my friend had told me later, she's like, within, like, 10 minutes of being there, he had already came up to me and, like, who is she? Tell me all, you know, tell me about her. And my friend was like, you know, don't talk to her if you're not serious because mm -hmm. she's a single mom. You know, her daughter, my daughter was like two years old. She had just turned two years old. 
she's mixed, like all these things that would turn some people like away. Mm -hmm. Um, so he knew all of those things right away. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if you can't handle that, then there's no point in us even talking. Yeah. Like a package deal. (laughs) We come together, you know, Yeah, I I completely understand that. So what, when you were in, so you were, you moved in with your mom, you, what was your, and you went back to college. I mean, what were your biggest struggles at the time with being a single mom, having to work to take care of your child, trying to do college, like where, where did you even have a life? Like, <laughs> man, like sleep was not happening a lot, to be honest. Cause it was like staying up late, um, studying and then trying to hang out with like, you know, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, like you're trying to fit all that in. Mm-hmm. And it was like a busy life, but I still managed to hang out with people. Like, I don't, I'm like, how did this even happen? Um, we still made it work. Uh, I think it does take a village, right? Like it's not just super mom. She does it once. She does everything. Um, I had to start asking and accepting help. And that's not like something I've always been good at. And sometimes I'm still not very good at it. Um, so my best friend, we lived together at the time and she doesn't have any kids or anything, but she's one of those people who's just really good with kids. And she's like, always need to just calm my baby fever. So she doesn't mind like watching your kid. Um, so she realizes that she's not ready for one yet. <laughs> so she would, uh, we worked at the same place. So if I didn't have a sitter, she would be like, well, I'll watch her while you go to work. Or sometimes my mom, if she was off, would help. Even um, Vadim, who's my husband now, he, after a, after a while, of course, you know, like I got to get comfortable with that. Like he, he watched her a few times. Um And I think the thing that was like the hardest was since I was a server in order to actually make money, I needed to work the night shift. The lunch shift wasn't really like worth it. And so it's like, well, what what I do with my kid consistently. So there was a a daycare that she had been going to and the lady actually stayed open at night and she was like a, um, a retired nurse. And so I had to put my daughter in daycare at night and my kid was like the only kid. And she was so little still. And I don't know, no, no parent really wants to put their kid in daycare at any time of the day, but at night, like, you know, I'm going to pick her up at 10 o'clock at night. And so somebody else has put her to sleep and it was just not a good feeling. It was not a good feeling. I didn't, I didn't like it. Um, but sometimes like I knew she was safe. Um, definitely don't like put your kids somewhere you, you don't feel like they're safe, but um, doing things like that, that I didn't want to do, but it was like a requirement. It's like, I have to go to work. I can't, you know, like, so those friends that you have, that family member that you might have, when they ask you, like, go to work and I'll watch your kid. Don't tell them no. Tell them yes. You know, like, you can trade that off. You know, you can watch their kid or you can do something for them later. Maybe buy them lunch or something another time. But people that care about you, they generally do want to help. And like Mm -hmm. when they see that you're trying to do something with your life, that makes people want to help you. They, when they see, not when you're talking about like when you are actually showing up, not knowing how all the pieces are going to fit together, but you're doing it anyway. Like you're still enrolling in college. Um, Even like before I had my daughter, when I was working, there was a period of time when I didn't have a vehicle. So I took a cab, like, no excuses. I always made the money somehow. Like we didn't live fancy, but 
we had a roof over our head. I had a vehicle um, with her. Like, it always worked out. You know, you just, it, it, it's crazy. I was, my friend, I was telling how did we actually ever afford, you know, I had a roommate. I didn't live by myself. Um, you know, those are like luxuries almost like to live by yourself and have your own place. That's kind of how like, that's a luxury that I'll have one day right now. I don't have that option because I can't afford it. We live in Galveston. It's an Island. And so it's not cheap to live. Um, so I just did things that I had to do because I knew I didn't want to be there forever. So there was times when I wanted to quit college, like a lot of times when I wanted to quit college, but it was like, if I quit, I'm going to still be like right here. I don't want to work as a server for the rest of my life. That, that doesn't make me proud. Like to think that people are going to ask my daughter where her mommy works. And she says, I'm a server. That, that's not what I want. That's not what I want forever. For right now, it's fine, you know. Um, and I learned a lot at being a server. It really helped me, like, with what I do now. Yeah. But it wasn't a, a lifetime thing for me. And so that was, like, the push. It's like, if I don't do this, I will be in the same place forever. So you got to, like, put it in perspective. If I don't do this thing, what's the alternative? If you don't like the alternative, then you kind of got to push forward anyway. There's a lot of hard things that we have to do. I was listening to a song earlier. It was like, you sign up to do something that you know will be hard. And then you kind of get into it a little bit and you're like, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. And it's like, well, what do you do? You know, you kind of just have to take that action and all of that stuff, even though you don't, like you don't feel capable because that's what like builds you up. That's what's going to help you later on when something else comes. You know, it's just a part of the process. You don't feel brave and you don't feel like you can conquer things until you've had to be brave and you've had something that you had to conquer. Building up that resilience so that you have that later in life. Cause I was, I was a bartender when I was in college. So it was like, you know, you have to do what you have to do when you are a mom, when you're a parent, even now that I am married and I'm sure you can relate is like, you know, that if something happened and you found yourself as a single mom again, you would do what you had to do. You would make it work. Oh, I yeah. mean, even if it meant going back to that place that you didn't want to work at in the beginning, like I always think like if I had yes. to, I'd, I'd go back to bartending. Like I would, you know, just, you know, do my business on the side. If I had to do that, if that was what came down to it and as a parent, you know, you just do what you have to do. And I love that you're sharing your story so women can see maybe they're not single moms. Maybe we have people who are listening right now that it's like, I can't relate because I'm not a single mom, but you can relate because you're probably going through something that's hard. We all go through things that are hard. Maybe you're building a business, you know, maybe you have a spouse. We have military spouses who listen, and maybe you have a spouse that's in the military or whatever it might be that you have to build that resilience so that you can do that. Um, and so you married your husband and you had your daughter and so you guys became a blended family. What, what were the difficulties that you experienced from that um, part of your life? Oh, that's hard. It's still not, so we've been married for four and a half years. So it's, I don't know. I don't know. You can tell me like you, you feel like there's still like some times where it's like, Oh God, this is kind of hard. Um, like, I don't know if you ever like just everything works out like, seamlessly. Um, so I struggled with, she does still have a dad. 
right? Like mm-hmm. I'm not getting married to give my daughter a dad. She has a dad. And like, no matter what his relationship and like our relationship together is like, that's not her, her thing. Like they have their own relationship together. So I really wanted to be like clear on that. Um, so it's like, okay, well, what, how does this work? Like, how am I? So I didn't do the, I didn't call my husband, dad, like, go, oh, go tell your dad such and such. Like I never did that. And then probably like, I want to say like a year and a half, a year, a year and a half after we were together, she just would start calling him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, just like here and there. And even then, I still didn't refer to him. It's like when she wanted something, like, oh, go tell Dean this. Because his name's Vadim, and she couldn't say that. She said <laughs> Dean. So it's like, go tell Dean this or go tell Dean that. I was very hesitant to start, like, go tell dad this. Um, because I didn't want, uh, like, her dad or other people to think that I put that on her. Like, that's that's what she decided. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took her a while. It took her a while to come around to that. So that was weird. Like, Cause I always think about what if her um, biological dad got married or something and she started calling that woman mom. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I would like it. <laughs> like, I don't think I would like it. Um, it would always be weird. Yeah. It would always be weird. And so I try to keep that in mind. Like, Oh, that, that will be a hard pill to swallow. But at the same time, like if that's what she decides mm-hmm. that she wants to do, you know, then I, I am a respect that. So that was always an issue. Um, then it's the issue of like communicating with your ex that like, you've still got to do that and like trying to co-parent and we live far away from each other. So we live seven and a half hours away and mm-hmm. we, we don't parent the same way. We don't have the same parenting style. Um, which I think is a common thing. Like even married couples don't necessarily parent the same way, but I think like when you're separated, there's still like a little animosity between like you two people. Maybe one person's more bitter than the other, or there's like some resentment. So I think um, we unintentionally put that in the mix of like how things go with our co-parenting and it's difficult trying to balance that out. So like most people will have like a court order of like how things work. Um, Going into that with like what's best for my kid, not what's best for me. It can be really hard to stick to at times because a lot of the times it means a lot of inconvenience, a lot of inconvenience. So like that was hard, like trying to make that happen. So we didn't have the normal, like every other weekend thing. We live too far away. Um, so trying to adhere to that was difficult. And then trying to, if, if they wanted something that wasn't in that to adhere to that, um, that was difficult. I tried to always make it always do it, but then I started to feel a a little bit, um, resentful because Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like it was appreciated. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm still catching all this now. I I just felt like, do, do you not see like I'm, I didn't feel like my efforts were being um, seen or appreciated. And so I was like, you know, let's just, let's just follow the schedule. If both of us just follow the schedule, no one can be mad. Um, But then I don't know if that was the right thing to do, you know? So it's always like, let's try this. Let's try that. This doesn't seem to be working. 
so I think that's part of it is finding what works for the best interest of the child. So I've, I've made decisions that I now regret, um, in that whole co-parenting thing, um, of like, no, she's not going to go because it's not, it doesn't say like right here, like I'm not going to do it. Um, and sad story, you just don't ever know. Like mm-hmm. you don't ever know. So my daughter's biological dad actually passed away in April. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. You never know. Like, mm-hmm. so I have a lot, I, there's a lot of regrets, like with things that I did. It's like, that was so, that was selfish, like on mm-hmm. my part. So whenever you're dealing with it, like I can recommend like what's for your kid. Because I remember before I, I had a daughter, like I had some friends who had kids at home when we were younger and like that whole co-parenting, like they broke up. And so now the kid, I'm like, no, I don't like you right now. So you can't come get your kid. I never liked that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help them, you know, like being really mindful about what you say. Now I was, um, careful about that because my parents actually split up when I was two years old. So I never remember them being together and knowing them now and like the way they talk about each other. I don't know how they were ever together (laughs) to be honest, like how that ever came to be. It's a mystery. Um, but my mom put a lot of her thoughts about my dad out there and I, I took those on and I became to feel that way about my dad, not based on um, my experiences, but based on hers. And as adults, we have different interaction um, with those people than like our children do. And I think we forget that sometimes. Um, And so it's important to kind of take a step back and say, really for my kid. And, and like you said, you live, you were in an abusive relationship. So him and I had an unhealthy and, and, and at times an abusive relationship. So you, you do keep that in consideration. My daughter was never like harmed or I didn't feel like he was ever going to harm her. So like, you have to think about those things, right. Um, when they're going to go visit, but we didn't agree with every parenting thing. And I think as hard as that is, it's, it's getting to a place of acceptance, um, that, they're not going to do everything your way. Like even my husband doesn't do things my way. Right. We don't do things the same way. Um, that's just like life. Um, so that was really hard of trying to blend all that together. And then like there's different rules there and then we have different rules. Yeah. And then my husband's not from the United States either. So there's like a, this different cultural thing of like mm-hmm. we're trying to blend together us little two Americans with um that speak one language and he speaks like four so trying to fit that together um like you know now we're taking on part of his family that some of them we cannot communicate with <laughs> like literally we cannot verbally communicate um so like he has to translate things and um taking that on and even going even becoming part of his family was uncomfortable for me mm-hmm. because since I was the single mom um it's like what will his family think about me you know um that was the issue for me like are they are they gonna think I'm good enough you know are they gonna think I'm okay um that was something that played like a big part in it too and I think that it's important to remember that you know while we want the in-laws to like us, you know, like who doesn't, I think, you know, everyone has their place and like what your, 
future spouse or your spouse thinks about you is like key Mm -hmm. and how they treat your child is key. So even if they're not totally on board with it, um, I'd say don't give up hope in that because that's not the end all be all. And you never know, like if they actually give you a chance, they'll come around. I didn't have any bad experiences with that, but I never like met my in-laws in person. So some people say I'm really blessed in that. Um, but we do Skype because they're, they're pretty far away, but I think everybody has their own struggles with that. I think the co-parenting thing is the hardest part. Um, because you and your now husband have roles and have things that you want certain ways. Cause like your plans, right? Mm-hmm. It's hard to plan things when you have to share custody because you have to be mindful. Like, so a lot of times I felt like I couldn't plan something because I'm waiting to hear what they want to do. And that could be really frustrating. Really frustrating. So being clear, right? Like, Hey, during this month, I'm planning on doing something. So I would really appreciate it <laughs> if you could let me know by this date so that, you know, our kid is able to do something. Yeah. I think it, no... it's a lot of like setting your ego aside, having those clear boundaries. And I want to be respectful of your time and of the time of the people listening to the podcast. So Stacy you've, you've dealt with being a single mom and now blending the family and co-parenting with somebody. Um, and I'm so sorry for yours and your daughter's loss that had been really hard for her. Um, what is, if there's one thing that you could let people know about co-parenting or, you know, cause there's a, I mean, more people out there are co-parenting than not co-parenting nowadays. Let's be honest. Um, what is I think one, so. Yeah. Yeah. What is one thing that you would want people to know about co-parenting? Like, you know, with all the things that you've been through dealing with that, if you could leave them with like one word of advice, what would that be? I think that it's not one size fits all. And so what you may see someone else doing, you know, may not work for you, but I do, I will say I'm, I was always inspired by like some of the people who would share that they were able to co-parent and were able to come together for their kid for like events at school. Like if ge- geographically that is possible, um, because I think that it says a lot to your kid, mm-hmm. you know, like, so if you can be at that school function, if you could do that birthday, um, if it's, a healthy and safe environment for all involved, I would say do it because it's going to matter to your kid. Like maybe they're too young like now, but I think later it will matter because it shows that you took initiative and you really um, did have their best interest at heart. And they sense things like um, with my daughter, mind you, uh, I have two daughters. They have two, I have four kids and they all have different dads. Yay. Um, Not all four. (laughs) The twins have one and then the other two. (laughs) Um, my oldest daughter's father wasn't really a big part of her life growing up, but now he is. But my middle daughter's father is the one that was abusive and we had a bad relationship. He's also an addict and alcoholic, but you know, you got to love custody and the fact that those kind of things don't always play into that. Um, as far as I know, he's sober now, so that's good. I mean, that makes me comfortable. But when you were interacting with that person and your child's right there to witness it, they, they will know they will sense things. So even though I had been through a lot of trauma with him, when we were exchanging our daughter, I had to be mindful of the fact that she's watching me. Like she's watching what I'm doing. So what the words I'm saying, how I'm interacting with him, 
So I try to be very casual, have conversations, be very polite, because I know that she's seeing that. And I'm sure that you experienced a similar thing when you had to exchange your daughter with your ex as well, is that she could see it all. Yes, they do. And they hear it all too. Um, I was kind of blessed and like his sister lives about an hour from us and she goes and visits that way often. So I can just drop her off with his sister sometimes, but I always stay. Like mm -hmm. I don't just get out of the car and leave. Like I've, I've known the family for a long time. And so we had that, um, that relationship. So it wasn't like the, we just cut it off. I mean, yeah, it was weird in the beginning and I, I didn't hang out a lot, but like as time went on, I would stay, make sure she was good and comfortable and her and his sister and I had conversation. Um, and you know, I think that says a lot, like she knows I, we can all hang out and it's fine. Yeah. You know, I yeah. think that says a lot to her, you know, even though it's just those, Hey, how are you doing? How you been? Here's her stuff that she needs. Like, you know, just those little, like you're communicating and they see that. And does she still have um, communication with his family, even though he's not around anymore? Yes. So she has two sisters and a brother. She wow. has twin sisters that are 14 and then a brother who will be five um, soon. And so we've gotten together for her like aunt. We did a surprise party for her aunt and they like called to let me know. So we all went up there. And she's going to go actually later on tonight, I'll take her and she's going to go spend the week with them, um, her grandma and her sisters and brothers and her cousins. So we still, a lot of people ask me that, like, so what are you going to do with your visitation? And I was like, well, I'm not planning on changing it because she still has siblings and she still has aunts and uncles. Why would I just estrange her um, from all, all of them? That, that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Um, yeah. And like the, that side of the family, I, I think we've like gotten a little bit closer since all of that. Cause it was just in April that this happened. Oh, yeah. It's pretty, still pretty new, but um, I feel like we've bonded a lot more. Like they've been sure to let me know how like grateful that we were both there. Like not that I brought her, like we were both there, you know, and they've, so I think that moving forward, it's going to be, it'll be good. You know, like mm -hmm. we'll keep in contact and, we have like the Marco Polo app so I can record her doing things and I can send it to them and um, we stay in touch more. Like we're in touch definitely more now than we were then. So just to make sure like that memory, you know, stays. Yeah. So what was the key deciding factor for you make that decision? I mean, did you have to say to yourself, it's not about me, it's about her. And that's what helped make, helped you make that decision because it's real easy to be, selfish in a way because you're like I raised this kid like I don't want to give her to you you know what I mean like, yeah it, it can be that's like the default right I feel like for me it's like I'm the one here most of the time like you're only getting her a few times a year that's nothing like financially speaking your contribution is nominal you know like all of those things are like the things you just want to say and like you don't have any say because of those um, but I think that's selfish and I think it's childish. And I'm, I'm saying that being a person who's, who's done all of those things. So just really owning that it's never too late to change that. And, you know, for your kid, like they're still growing, they're still getting older. You can always, um, make a change and don't think that you're going to decide this and like tomorrow it's going to be great, right? You're going to have this great conversation. It's, it may not go that way in all honesty, but yeah, that's what it was. It's like, 
Um, I think I made a lot of decisions that I regretted. And this was kind of like a redemption Mm -hmm. of that, that um, I do really care that she is involved with her family. My dad, I didn't see my dad a lot growing up, like maybe twice a year for a week. It was very awkward. Mm -hmm. Um, I still feel that awkward sense when we get together. Like I see that he's putting for some effort, but I'm 31 years old and it's just weird. Like I'll be honest, like we're working on it, but it's very weird. And I don't feel connected to any of his family, to my cousins, to his, um, his siblings. Like they don't don't feel like like, we don't have that bond. Like I see that other people in the family have, and it's, it's weird, right. To go around those people and you just feel like, yeah, I know you, but not like my family, you know, like there's not that comfort and like you just be yourself and be goofy and all that. Like none of that's there. And I don't want that for her. Like I know what that feels like. So I really don't want that for her. And so that's like my thing. And that's another thing with co-parenting. So now that all this has happened, it, it added like some stress to me of like how to deal with that. Cause mm-hmm. I am married. So like my husband didn't go with us to the funeral. He was away working and people were like, Oh, is he going to go? I was like, I don't, I'm really okay with him not because it's weird. Like he doesn't know that the family like I do. And I don't feel like I really be able to be um, available for my daughter and, and available for them, like in their loss. Right. Um, uh, if I'm worried about making sure my husband's still comfortable, mm-hmm. um, here. So that's another thing, like how to mix that up. And I'm, I'm really lucky. I have a very supportive husband. And like I said, I was able to go to her aunt's birthday and hang, hang out for hours and hours and hours. And, and it was okay for me to do that. Like he sees the importance of her being involved with that side of the family. And it's something that I'm not willing to give up because I feel like that at the end of the day, I'm her mother and it's my my duty to make sure what's best for her is what happens. And even though I made mistakes and, and fall short of that in the past, I can move forward and try to be better with that. So it can be tricky, but yeah, it's about what's best for her and not what I feel like doing all the time. Yeah. And I really appreciate we're, we're out of time now. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the story. Cause I, I feel like it kind of can open our eyes um, for all of us out there that are co-parenting or might be co-parenting in the future. Cause let's be honest, the, the divorce rate is like 50% now. So I hope nobody gets divorced, but it could very well happen uh, that people keep in mind that you don't want to have those regrets, you know, and then they can see through your eyes that you have them because you've experienced that. And I really appreciate your transparency on this podcast of sharing your experience. So people can understand it's, it's not easy. It's a struggle, but sometimes we just have to set our ego aside and say, what's best for our kids? Like what's going to impact them the most? Should they be having this relationship with their parent? Yeah. Their parent might not be perfect, but it's not for us to tell them that it's for them to discover that on their own. Right. Yeah. Cause they will like, they will totally see later and you don't have to like, let them know all the bad things that they did. Like their kid is going to figure that out. Cause you haven't really, your bad experience is like not going to be the same for them. So they do have to make that on their own. And I don't know, like maybe keep a journal too and like kind of write this stuff out. And maybe later on when your kid gets older and they start asking questions, you can kind of go back to like, what were you actually thinking and feeling in that time to, to share that with them? Cause I, that's one thing I've always said, like, I always want to be honest with my daughter, um, in an age appropriate way. 
Mm -hmm. So she does ask questions and has for many years about like her biological dad and how we met, like all this stuff, like why aren't we together? And so every year based on her age and her maturity level, I answer questions, you know, so you have to make that. And that's a decision that everyone makes for, for themselves based on where their children are at on what they say. I'm the same way. My daughter's been very, like, lately, very, very questioning and, like, why aren't you with my daddy? Why can't you and daddy and and Jeremy and Elizabeth, can't you all live together? <laughs> and, and I'm you're like, like, no. Might be just a little I'm, bit weird. <laughs> I like, your daddy and I didn't get along because it's not appropriate to tell her at her age on why we split up. You know, that's not appropriate. We, I use that same I use yeah. that same, we, we, we didn't get along. We, we didn't communicate very well together. Okay. Um, and so that's not like a good place for people to be like, right. You need to be able to get along. Exactly. So thank yeah. you so maybe much. Maybe later, maybe later. Thank you so much, Stacy, for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with all of us. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspire Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.